Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Paul Nichols. I am the host of the show, It's Your Money, the financial podcast that was designed to pull back the curtain on the financial services industry and expose the truth about money and investing. Welcome and thank you for listening. I'm going to do our traditional market update and then go on to explain uh, for those folks that may have observed the debate that we've had recently, we got a political election happening in the United States right now, September. Uh, it's September 28th as I'm recording this. Uh, and one of the comments uh, that uh, uh, one of the candidates, Trump, actually had made was talking about the economy and the fact that uh, the stock market was only the bright spot in the economy, really. I I'm paraphrasing. Uh, and I wanted to explain why that is. I've been chatting about that for a couple of years now, uh, because as a general rule, uh, when you look at economic indicators and, and other factors related to finance, one would draw uh, the conclusion that the economy is not doing well at all. In fact, uh, it's one of the most sluggard uh, economies that we've had in decades. Uh, in fact, you'd be hard-pressed to find a worse time. Uh, there's a lot of mis misnomers and myths about the stock market crash and, and the, in our history books at school they talk about how it was a, 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 a dead decade basically till the war pulled us out of it but the reality was uh, the year after the stock market crash in 1929 which was a negative 82 percent it was uh, unbelievable as it relates to a loss the largest loss we've ever experienced in the market uh, what a lot of people don't realize is the following year uh, there was 200 percent growth in the market and the following five years averaged 40% per year. But, but I'm just trying to make a point that when we look at the economy today outside of the stock market, it certainly doesn't look very good. A lot of products are smaller. We're paying the same price. We've gotten a reprieve somewhat with fuel over the last uh, few years uh, that really hasn't shown up in food prices. And what a lot of people don't realize is when you look at inflation, there's two major components that's not factored in. One is energy and one is food. And for most families, those are huge factors. That's where most of our money uh, goes, other than housing and um, health care, perhaps, as you get into those areas. Uh, and so let me just dive right into that, and we'll, we'll finish up with the market update. Why is it that of late, the last several years, why is it after 08, 09 in the credit bubble, the stock market is really the only place that one can have confidence in putting their money? Uh, the bright spot, if you will, is it really hasn't been in real estate. Interest rates are, are low, so it hasn't been any type of fixed instruments, uh, whether that be cash or savings or CDs or, or government CDs or T-bills, I call them government CDs, or, or notes or, uh, or uh, short-term bonds or long-term bonds. Where it's really been is in predominantly U.S. large companies and U.S. large companies as well as international large companies. And let me illustrate as to why that is. And unfortunately, you know, there's a good and a bad story here. And sometimes we don't want to look at the reality of what the economic indicators are telling us. But we have a very, a very anemic economy right now. But when you look to large companies, you go, wait a minute, why is the Dow, which represents 30 large U.S. companies, or the S&P, why are these hitting new highs? Why is it that large companies are doing so well? Well, we have to understand what's happened in the last several years. We've had uh, three series of what they call quantitative easing, which in layman's terms is basically uh, the printing of an awful lot of money, the flooding of, of market uh, 
monies on the market that the government's printing. Uh, and what that's done, at, at the same time we've kept uh, interest rates low, and, and one can make an argument that this is all politically designed and politically propagated uh, so that it makes the economy look better uh, to kind of jury rig or, or mess around with the real inflation rates. What we find is a lot of corporations have been very smart. If you look at the last several years, 08, 09 created a situation where there were a lot of layoffs, a lot of uh, companies that were forced to streamline. So what they ended up doing, and this is based on the research we have found, what a lot of them ended up doing was letting a number of people go and putting more work on the people that were there. And they never really hired new people as, as time went by. So they had kind of streamlined by default their companies. At the same time, what was happening was a lot of them were restructuring their debt because of the credit debacle. Interest rates, rates went way, way down. So a lot of companies that issue bonds, now a bond, the way that a bond works is they need to raise a million dollars, so they issue a, a bond and they have investors that buy the bond and they promise a semi-annual semi interest rate and then at the mature of the bond, the payback. And so what a lot of companies did was they, they called old bonds that were at a higher interest rate and they bought these new bonds at a much lower interest rate. Well, this created an influx of cash. Now, because of a lot of regulation uh, in the last several years, one would argue for starting new business, and I hear this first rate from many clients that are business owners, what it's caused them to do is hold back on certain capital infrastructure or expansion of their businesses. So a lot of companies have become very, very cash rich. And by being very, very cash rich, what, an example of that, $100 billion that Apple has, what they've done is they've bought back their stock. When they buy back their stock from shareholders, that now becomes treasury stock. It's, it's treated totally different uh, um, uh, to the company. They don't have to pay dividends on the treasury stock. So they, they have a more of a profit margin from the viewpoint of overall capital or monies inside. And what we've seen is a tremendous buyback from companies like Apple bought a lot of stock. Microsoft bought stock. General Electric, huge company. General Electric's into everything from uh, uh, light bulbs, appliances, uh, jet engines, medical equipment, uh, financial services. Target, as you all know, a large retailer. Cracker Barrel, a large retail food chain. And then American Express is an example of some of these companies that, in essence, what we've seen in very simple layman's terms is a government printing a lot of money, corporations being smart, taking advantage of that, streamlining their companies after 08, throwing more work on the workers that are there. Uh, that coupled with the Affordable Care Act, which then gave many companies an opportunity to hire part-time employees, or by default they did that to avoid the cost of the health care uh, mandates. And so we, we just have kind of a perfect storm here. And then the government's printing this money, and companies are going to do what companies do. They're going to be profitable. They're going to take advantage of the rules and the structure. And they've gone out and basically borrowed money uh, through issuing bonds and uh, bought back a lot of their company stocks. So we have a tremendous amount of lean, mean companies. So when Trump and these debates is talking about the only bright, bright spot has been in the stock market, one can make a logical argument that it is somewhat inflated, it's not the right word, but uh, propped up by the government in the last several years in an attempt to make our economy look better than it is. Now, the bad news is we're getting a little bit of wool pulled over our eyes. The good news is that we have a lot of large, wonderful companies that make great products that are in demand, that are streamlined and ready to explode. Uh, and I believe if the environment is right, depending on 
whatever candidate you know is elected and then whatever they do hopefully they create an environment uh, that gives a little bit of uh, comfort to these board of directors and these large companies where they'll throw more cash into the system uh, and start to expand their business and create more jobs and et cetera, et cetera. So I, I just wanted to, to give you kind of a, a, a layman's definition of, of why that statement is being thrown around and why you hear that. And the reality is from someone who's a registered investment advisor, several hundred clients, a lot of conversations, a lot of scenarios and situations with a lot of different people, uh, I'll have people on occasion say, listen, I have a windfall of cash from this, that, or the other thing. Where should I put it? And when you look at the places to put money, uh, whether it be prudent or imprudent, uh, it's a pretty narrow field. And so this creates an issue uh, where money's being put in some areas that it would never really normally be put. Uh, and I think uh, this plays out in the housing costs that have increased in the last decade. We've had one of the largest increase in housing costs in the last decade. Uh, now, on a side note, I don't want to get into this now, uh, everybody's yield on their home, it doesn't matter where you live, is basically the inflation rate of that area. So for us to be told and senior citizens to not be given a cost of living increase in the last uh, round because they said there's really no inflation, it's ludicrous when you look at the size of products going down, the price staying the same, that's the same thing as inflation. Okay, they don't raise the price, but if it's like less product, it's six or one, half a dozen or the other. The sheer cost of housing, medical, medical care, et cetera, et cetera. Everywhere you look, things are costing more, but supposedly there's no inflation. And I mean costing more whether it be perceptually or not. Uh, example, you know, you're, you used to buy a 16-ounce bottle of a product, and now it's 14.7. Uh, so uh, what we need to realize is that the reality is that there, the economy is not as good as one would hope it is, but it certainly has the potential uh, to be good, explode, and uh, uh, I, I think take care of any debt and long-term deficit uh, if we can find uh, a combination of economic growth and, and less spending or more prudent spending, less waste really would be the better way to put it. So. I think we can get it done long-term, I'm hopeful, but I wanted to share that with you because I've had several people ask me about that uh, since the debate, and I thought it, uh, it merited uh, a few comments. With that being said, let's move on to the market update, our idea. We believe uh, that investing in the market is relatively simple, own equities, diversify, rebalance, and your, your intent is to capture a global market return, that returns come from the market, they do not come from managers. So. One should have a well-diversified portfolio that would encompass all areas of the market. With that being said, we believe it's important to get an idea of what the market indexes or indices around the world look like to give us an indication of how our portfolio might be performing. So, as of September 27, 2016, the S&P 500, which measures predominantly 500 large U.S. growth companies, 5.67 year-to-date for 2016. A couple of weeks ago, it was 4%, so it's on the grow. Russell 1000 value, large cap value companies, not large growth, but large value companies. That was 9% uh, a couple weeks, right now, 9% as of September 27th, uh, and it was 8% a couple weeks ago, so it's on the grow as well. Same with the 2000, Russell 2000 index, which measures small to very small U.S. companies. It's 10.9, yay team, double digit. Uh, it's really pick, picked up some steam in the last couple weeks, picked up a few points there. Russell 2000 value. That measures the performance of small value, performance of small value, not small growth, but small value U.S. Uh, companies. 
and it's 14%. Winner, winner, chicken dinner for the U.S. marketplace. It was 11.6 last, a couple weeks ago. So uh, uh, we're excited to see some growth in the U.S. finally after a couple flat years. Uh, I should take that back. We had a negative year last year and a, a decent year the year before, but uh, uh, 2014's, a lot of 2014's gains were eaten up by rebalancing into the emerging into uh, the international areas, which you must do. You must understand, own equities, diversify, rebalance. We need to understand that the concept of investing relies on the dissimilar price movement. Dissimilar price movement. See, it's not what you own when you own it. It's not about stock picking or market timing. It's how does what you own relate to everything else that you own in your portfolio? We want umbrellas. We want suntan lotion. When we go into the international market update, what we have is the Morgan Stanley Capital International World. This would be a, a uh, basically the world excluding the United States. So 45 countries in essence. There's about 23 developed and 22 emerging markets. And what we have there is 3% for the year. So it's, you know, it's, it's in the black, but it's a little slow. It was... Uh, about half that a couple weeks ago. When we go on to the uh, Morgan Stanley Capital International EFA, that would be Europe, Australia, Fall e Far East, that index of that area of the world, it's about a half a percent up two weeks ago, and it's heading toward 2% this year. Still, uh, you know, again, it's in the black, but it's a little lackluster. We have one negative area. That would be in the value area of the Morgan Stanley EFA. So the Europe, Australia, Far East, not the growth area, but the value area is down a little bit. And both of them are laggard uh, for sure this year. We go on, though, to the emerging markets area, Morgan Stanley Capital International uh, EFA small cap. So we're heading into Europe, Australia, Far East, small cap. I'm sorry, not emerging, but small cap, Europe, Australia, Far East. Uh, we're at 5%. Uh, so that's looking much better. It was 3% a couple weeks ago. And uh, emerging markets is the winner, winner, chicken dinner. And uh, uh, this is very exciting for those of you that really uh, prudently invest and apply an academic approach to investing because emerging markets the last few years, the area that has required us to uh, invest in with some of the gains, it's been down a few years. Uh, so as a result, by rebalancing, you end up putting more money uh, into the emerging markets that you take from gains from other areas. Now, the good news is you have more shares, uh, so when the market turns, uh, the value is uh, much greater and quicker. The, the bad news, though, is you the, the gains are kind of being sucked up, so the balance may stay the same, but the share count goes up. With that being said, the emerging markets is up 17.5%. So uh, this is really exciting what we're seeing for this year, and it speaks to the two-thirds bias that we've always seen in the market. Two out of three years is up. One out of three years is down. You never know which year is going to be up. But we do know um, that that is historically held true. And then when we look at the last few years, we look at 13 being a really good year for growth, 14 being a flat year, 15 being slightly negative, and 16 were definitely uh, in a good position uh, three-quarters uh, of the way into the year. So with that being said, my name is Paul Nichols, the president and uh, Founder of Financial Abundance. Financial Abundance is a registered investment advisory firm located in State College, Pennsylvania. We have offices in State College in Lewisburg, as well as uh, uh, several states that we do business in. But we focus on uh, the concept that education leads to clarity, clarity leads to confidence, and only with confidence can one really achieve any peace about what they're doing with their investments. That you don't need to know everything, you just need to know the few right things. So you need to get some help and some coaching, uh, and we believe uh, that... Uh, you got to take the bias in any conflict out of investing by understanding uh, 
how investing works. And on a side note, I'm very happy that next April, I believe it's April, uh, is going to be the beginning of the new fiduciary rule that's going to be implemented in the financial industry, which is going to force more people uh, to become uh, fiduciaries or use a fiduciary standard rather than a suitability standard. Uh, you can read about that on the website. I have blogs talking about that. Uh, and that will uh, keep more people client-centric rather than self-centric uh, in their approach to investing, which is always good for the client. I uh, hope this finds you well. FAI Coach. There's a wealth of information, blogs, and material. If you'd like to learn more about finance, once again, we try to pull back the curtain and expose the truth about money and investing. Thank you for listening, and I hope this finds you well. Have a wonderful day.